Welcome back to Conspiratorial Conspiring. This is Ryan, and today we have the astrotheologist Micah Dank. Micah's got a presentation for us. This is going to be our first video podcast through Squadcast, so hopefully everything goes smooth as silk. But without further ado, let's let Micah start with his presentation here. Thanks, man. Now, I have to ask you this. Um, have you seen... That was a soda, not a beer, by the way. Um <laughs> have, you, have you seen uh, any of my presentations or any of my work before? Um, I haven't seen, but I've listened to several of them. Uh, I've listened to you on Tinfoil Hat, Macroaggressions. I think you were on Ripple Effect as well. Oh, okay. Um, so you follow those guys. Okay, yeah. No, I've been on yep. with them. That's fine. Um, yeah, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a visual presentation for your listeners, for people who are new to this, who might – uh, otherwise find it uninteresting. Maybe they'll find it a little more interesting now. Alrighty. So astrotheology is basically, it's the mythology of the Zodiac and the constellations. You know how the Greeks and the Romans, they had their gods, this, that, and the other thing. Well, it all goes back to the stars because back in the early days. Okay. And I'm talking about when the Bible was written, like, well, what was it now? Five, 6,000 years ago, 5,000, 4,000, 5,000 years ago, whatever it was. Okay, Um, fresh out of the food chain, people didn't have clocks, watches, smartphones or anything like I'm looking at my computer right now and I see that it's 2.06 p.m. on July 2nd. I know it's going to be a hot day, but the ancients didn't know that they had to they had to come up with their own farmer's almanac. And what they ended up doing was they ended up burying it in the Bible. And I'm going to expose some of that right now because you're going to see the Bible in a way that you haven't seen before. Okay, so it starts with the Lascaux Caves. Okay, are you still seeing this presentation? Yes, sir. The Lascaux Caves go back 40,000 years. And what they are are these caves that are in France. In Lascaux, France. That's why they're called the Lascaux Caves. They're these caves in Lascaux, France. And what they did was uh, these people went in deep into them at some point, And they found all sorts of things on the wall like this. Okay, in the top left, you see the bull. On the right, you see the many faces of the lioness. And on the bottom, you see the horse. Well, in astrology, the bull is Taurus. The lion on the right is Leo. And the horse is Sagittarius. Okay. And what they did was they brought in, they carbon dated this. And they found out it went back about 40,000 years, plus or minus about 5,000 years. And what they did was they brought in an astronomer with a computer who basically rewound the sky back 40,000 years to the date that they dated this. And what they found was where the animals were drawn was exactly where their constellations were when they superimposed the picture of what they had. So we've known about the Zodiac for about 40,000 years. It's the oldest science on earth, a hundred percent. It's the oldest science on earth and it's the most important science on earth. Okay. As we're going to get into, it tells you what to do in each season. Okay. And you have to think about this through the lens of an ancient person. There are questions in the Bible. Most common questions, how Jesus was able to heal the blind, how he walked on water, how he turned water into wine, why he had 12 disciples, why he was betrayed with a kiss by Judas, why he was dead for three days, why is his birthday on December 25th? All of that is going to be answered with astrology, and uh, I'm going to explain that. 
So Genesis 1.14 says, Let lights appear in the sky to separate the day from the night. Let them be signs to mark the seasons, days, and years. And that's what the Bible is. It's an encoded book in order to mark the seasons, days, and the years. Because they didn't have they didn't have the capability to just figure out if it was going to be a hot day. They, did, they didn't have weathermen back then. You know, they didn't know when winter was going to creep up on them. They didn't know when the nighttime was going to come, when the sun was going to go down. They needed, you know... Uh, they needed to use like sundials. That's what they used back then. And obelisks to measure like shadows in order to find out information. Um, so that's basically what they did. And they came up with this system by looking at the stars. And I'm going to explain that system to you. Do you have any questions before we get started? Um, I did a lot of research on kind of like the antithesis to astrotheology, although there wasn't much, I want I do have some questions. Um, probably more towards the end of the of the presentation about right. maybe deeper meanings or metaphysical concepts and stuff okay. like that. Uh, but yeah, as you go along, if I have anything, I'll just I'll pipe in. Okay. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to go over the twelve signs with you and what to look for. I'm going to give you keywords in each sign that relate to the signs, which you're going to see that are placed co- throughout the Bible. The first sign that I talk about, even though it's not the first sign in the Zodiac, which is Aries, is Aquarius, and which is represented by the man with the water pitcher, as you can see. Okay. Are you familiar with the Zodiac? Yeah. Well, I mean, vaguely. I, I listened to uh, Rune Soup with Gordon White, and he does a uh, biannual astrology podcast with this other guy. I, f- I forget his name at the moment, but they use astrology to like forecast the year and so far they've been super accurate you know they said there's going to be a lot of like turmoil and upheaval in january well we had january 6th and then they said you know there was going to be an objectively good thing that happened in may and you know they have like uh retrograde and uh this planet's crossing with that planet that's how they use it i don't really understand it but You know, they said something objectively good was going to happen in May. And then, you know, the CDC comes out and says, all right, everybody can stop wearing masks. So I was just like, holy shit. And then now in June, you know, they said more or there was going to be another uh, catalyzing event. Well, June 1st, the Pentagon released their uh, report on UFOs. And then we just had that building collapse in Florida, which is making the rounds right now because... Joe Biden and Bernie and others are now saying, oh, we need to totally reform infrastructure from this one event. This one event needs us to change the entire country's infrastructure, which we know is going to bring in like more technocracy, smart grid, blah, blah, blah. So like so far, their forecast that they laid out in late December of last year for 2021 using astrology has been dead on the money. Okay, good. So, So you are familiar then. Okay. And I would like to hear yes, that sir. too. Okay, so Aquarius, man, water pitcher. So you're going to hear words like running waters, rushing waters, fountain, baptism, because this is how you baptize someone, a man with a water pitcher pouring it onto somebody. You're going to hear words like the son of man or man, because the sign of man is Aquarius. Then Pisces is the sign of the two fish in the water. Then Aries is the ram. And in Aries, you have March 21st, which is a spring equinox. It's a 12-hour day, 12-hour night. It's also when the Jewish people celebrate Passover or the 
which is um, when God passes over Egypt and smites the firstborn children, the tenth plague, Moses gets out of Egypt, yada, yada, yada. It's also the Passover in astrotheology, which is when the sun literally passes over the equator on March 21st and back on its way to its height in the summer solstice. So you have the Passover of the sun. In Christianity, the passing over is changed and it becomes the resurrection of God's son. And it's why the Jews smeared the lamb's blood on the door to protect them because they're the people of Aries. It's why the Jews to this day blow the ram's horn to the sky during the high holidays because they were the people of Aries. Whereas we're the people of Aquarius. Then Taurus is the bull. So this is where it starts to get uh, interesting. When you look at the sky and you see Taurus during the season where it's supposed to be, you see the bull in the sky. It's as above, so below. You need to plant, put the plow on the bull on earth so that you can plant the seeds. Now, now we have machines that do it. But you got to remember, this is what they used to do. They had to look in the sky for, star, uh, for signs for what to do. So you put the plow on the bull. You see the, plot, the bull in the sky. You put the plow on the bull and you harvest in Virgo and Libra. Then Gemini is the twins. It's the story of Castor and Pollux Troy, whose sister was Helen of Troy. It's the story of Achilles. Then Cancer is the crab, and it's the sideways-moving creature. So what the sun does is, starting on, G on December 25th, it rises a degree on its axis. Okay, And it, every other day, every consecutive day, it will rise an additional degree. Okay, When it hits June 21st, that's the height. That's the summer solstice. Okay, That's the height. June 21st, that's the height. And that's why we celebrate the summer solstice. The sun is at its height. Then for three days, it rises at the same degree, moving sideways, technically. So it rises a degree every day, and then it stops at the top, moves sideways for three days, just like the crab moves sideways, and then lowers a degree, and then continues to lower a degree every single day until it hits December 21st. Now, on December 21st is the winter solstice. That's the day that the sun is dead. The sun dies. Okay, the winter, the winter solstice is the day the sun dies. The sun doesn't rise on its axis at all. So the ancients used to say the sun was dead. You, it also walks sideways for three days like it did in June. So that's where you get God's sun was dead for three days. God's S-U-N was dead for three days, not S-O-N. That's just a metaphor for what's really going on in the sky. Then Leo is the king and Lion, the king of the jungle. The ruling planet of Leo is actually the sun. So when you hear words like, Lion or lioness or cub, they're talking about Leo, okay? Or you're talking about the uh, the kingdom of heaven on earth. That's when the sun is in its home planet, Leo. And Virgo is the woman holding the wheat stalk. So remember before when you said that you plant in Taurus? Well, what happens is you plant in Taurus and the virgins would cultivate the wheat in Virgo in order to make bread for the year. So whenever you hear the word bread or wheat or barley or woman or virgin, or grain or seed or chafe or something that is related to cultivating the um, the wheat or the barley or the oats or things of that nature. That's when you cultivate is in Virgo. Then Libra is the justice. It's the scales. It's the balance. It's the just one. And the reason it's the justice is because it judges God's sun as it passes over the fall equinox. So it's celebrated in the spring equinox when it crosses over the equinox. And then it's judged in the fall as it begins its descent into winter, into cold, into death. The Jewish people always celebrate the new year around the fall equinox. And eight days after the new year in Libra, that's always in Libra, eight days after the new year in Libra, because Libra is the judge, you have what's called Judgment Day, which is Yom Kippur, which is when the Jewish people go to temple and they pray all day, fast all day, don't drink, don't eat all day, and go to temple and just pray. 
so that God keeps them in the book of life for the next year. So you have Virgo, the bread, and Libra, the wine. So anytime you hear judge, justice, judgment, uh, marriage, tax, law, things of that nature that have to do with a courtroom, for example, that's Libra. It's also wine season, okay, in Libra. So anytime you hear grapes or vineyard or vine or, or juice or things of that nature, they're talking about Libra. Whenever it's also olive season in Libra. So whenever you hear olive oil or like Jesus goes to the Mount of Olives, for example, that's a metaphor for Libra. Then Scorpio is the scorpion and he is the betrayer. When a scorpion bites you, it leaves an imprint in your skin that looks like a pair of lips. It's why the mafia has the kiss of death. And it's why Jesus was betrayed by Judas with a kiss. Judas represents Scorpio. Jesus represents the sun. These are all celestial metaphors. Okay, what they did was they took a, they made a literal story out of what was going on in the sky is what they've done. Okay, so basically you would look at your hand after it bit you and it would look like it kissed you. But in reality, there's poison in there. So that's the betrayal. Okay, so the sun is judged in Libra and betrayed in Scorpio. And then finally in Sagittarius, this is where the bow and the arrow shoot the sun and inflict further punishment on the sun. In the Bible, it's translated as a spear going into the sun of, side of God's sun. Now, Sagittarius has December 21st in it, okay? So remember how I said December 21st is the day of death? Anytime there's a death in the Bible, it's referencing Sagittarius. And I'll show you how that works, too. And then Capricorn is the goat because the goat climbs the mountain. And the sun basically does that, too. If you look at the zodiac wheel, Capricorn's at the bottom of the wheel. It starts its climb December 25th, which is in Capricorn, Climbing up the mountain back on its way to its height in the summer solstice. Makes sense, right? Yeah. Okay, so those are the 12 signs. Do you have any questions? Um, yes, I do have one about Taurus. Um, are you familiar with um, myth, uh, Mithras or uh, Mithraism or however you say it? Mithra was a fish god. So what, like there was the cult of Mithras and uh, like the big ritual was the slaying of the bull. So does that tie in with Taurus at all? It does. If you think about it, the Egyptian people too, uh, I know this is a different area, but it's around the same time. The Egyptian people have hieroglyphs with the bull with its horns and the sun in between it. In fact, the Jewish people say that the third temple is going to be erected with the slaughter of a perfect bull or a perfect calf. Okay, so it's all bull worship. Okay, but we're the people of Aquarius. Okay, the Egyptians were the people of Taurus. That's why they had bulls on their hieroglyphs. Okay, the Jewish people are the people of Aries. That's why they blow the ram's horn, because it's the ram. The Christians are the people of Pisces, the two fish. That's when Christianity came about. That's why Jesus feeds the masses with two fish. That's why you have the Jesus fish on your car. It's because that's the center of the Vesica Pisces. It all goes back to that. And now we're the people of Aquarius right now, and there's going to be a new religion. But we'll get into that. Um, okay. Names for Jesus. When the sun is in each sign, he's given a name that is given out in church. When the sun is in Capricorn, the goat, he's called the scapegoat of Israel. When the sun is in Aquarius, he's known as the son of man. When the sun is in Pisces, the two fish, he's called the fisherman of men. When the sun's in Aries, he's known as the Lamb of God. When the sun's in Leo, he's called the Lion of Judah. The lady holding the stalk of wheat, Virgo, he's born of a virgin, and he's called the Bread of Life. Libra is the scales of justice. He's known as the Just One. 
Then he's betrayed in Scorpio, dies in Sagittarius, and it's why he's worshipped on the Sunday. Whereas Jews worship on the Saturday or Saturn day because it goes back to Saturn worship. Now, look at the stereotypical picture of Jesus right here, okay? You still there? Yes. You see the stereotypical picture of Jesus right here? Yep, with the sun behind him. Yeah. Okay. So the sun is always behind Jesus because he represents the sun. Always. The two fingers up are an ancient comedic peace sign. They're an ancient Egyptian peace sign. The separation sign, the, the British victory war sign, the one that you see John Lennon give, that was a British war sign. Okay? The two fingers up are peaceful. That's why whenever you see pictures of Lucifer or Baphomet or Jesus, they always have two fingers up because they're telling you they're peaceful. The white Jesus picture, the face of Jesus, it's actually a guy named Caesar Borgia, who was the bastard son of Pope Alexander VI. Before Pope Alexander VI came in, in the mid-1500s, which is around the time the printing press came in, there was no picture of Jesus, and the Pope decided his son would be the face of. The crown of thorns wrapped around the heart on the outside, and the heart is always on the outside, represents the rays of the sun. That's why Jesus has a crown of thorns on his head. Okay, he's the sun, and the crown of thorns are represented by the rays. Uh, or the crown of thorns represent the rays. Okay, the heart outside the body is the human toroidal field which extends six feet outside of your body. Okay. It extends six feet outside of your body. And that's why the elites keep you six feet apart during a pandemic. It's so you, your, your heart electromagnet electro gradient cannot interact with others. Yep. Oh, I'm going to start decoding some phrases. Okay. Have you heard of All pride right. comes before? Have you heard of pride comes before the fall? Yes, I have, but most people probably haven't. Can you explain it to your listeners? So, uh, pride comes before the fall. What most people would think that means is that, um, you know, if you're an arrogant ass, you basically, you, you get yours in the end. But what it actually means is that uh, pride refers to uh, lions because lions in a group are called pr a pride and that refers to Leo and Leo is right before the fall when they harvest their crops. Right. So you have heard me say this before. Yes. Okay. Micah 5.2, but you Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old from ancient times. So the prophet Micah is saying, my namesake, by the way, is saying that the Savior will come from a town called Bethlehem. But in Hebrew, Bethlehem is a combination of two words. It's not one word. It's bet, which means house, and lechem, which means bread. So it's the house of bread. The house of bread is Virgo, the lady with the wheat stalk. So what they're really saying is the Savior will come from Bethlehem. The Savior will come from the house of bread. The Savior will come from a virgin. Does that make sense? Yeah. He gave them honey from the cliffs, Deuteronomy 32, honey from the cliffs and olive oil from the rocky ground. He gave his people butter from the herd and milk from the flock. He gave them lambs and goats. They had the best rams from Bashan and the finest wheat. They drank the best wine made from the juice of red grapes. But Jeshurun became fat and kicked like a bull. You see how many signs are just in that one passage? Oh, yeah. 
there's two I didn't go over. He gave them honey from the cliffs. So in the sign Cancer, there's a group of stars called the Beehive Cluster. So that's where the honey comes from. Okay. And butter and milk come from the Milky Way galaxy. Okay. Whose center is in Sagittarius. So your land from Cancer to Sagittarius, that's your land of milk and honey. Okay. It's not a real place. It's a metaphor for the celestial above. Okay. And then the rest, you can pick out the rest. So could you go over milk, uh, the land of milk and honey again? The land of milk and honey. So he gave his people butter from the herd and milk from the flock. Those are both milk based. Okay. Milk comes from the Milky Mm -hmm. Way galaxy. Makes sense. It's a metaphor. Yes. So the Milky Way galaxy, its center is in Sagittarius. Okay. So from, from, from cancer, which is the beehive cluster to Sagittarius, which is the Milky Way galaxy. That's your land of milk and honey. So, what are they referring to when they say, um, like the common phrase, uh, the, the land of milk and honey? So obviously the Milky Way and Sagittarius is that, um, is that more a thing for people who were born in Sagittarius? No, it is. No, no, no. It, it's just from that span from cancer to Sagittarius. That's your okay. land of milk and honey. Gotcha. Mount of Olives. Jesus led his disciples to the Mount of Olives after his last Passover so he could teach them a few more things. Pray, then wait for Judas to betray him. While walking to the Mount of Olives, he gave the parable of the true vine. Well, Passover takes place in Aries. Okay? <clears throat> so look at the Zodiac Wheel. It takes place in Aries. We're right after he walks to the Mount of Olives. Olives are in Libra. Those are opposing signs. They're in Libra, and they're waiting for Judas to betray him, which happens in the next sign, Scorpio, which is the betrayer. While in Libra, he gives the passage of the true vine or vineyard or wine press or Libra. Does that make sense? Do you see how they, they're talking about the cross sign and then the next sign over? Yes. Do you see how it's built into the story, and it, it's like just waiting to be decoded, basically? Of course. Okay, so we're going to get into that kind of stuff deeper when we get to the book of Matthew. Revelation 4-7. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. In astrology, okay, the scorpion or Scorpio is the belly crawling creature. That's how the scorpion walks. Okay, it's known as the lowest form of life on earth. Its evolved form is the eagle, which is the highest flying form on earth. So the eagle actually means Scorpio. So the first living creature was like a lion, that's Leo. The second was like an ox, that's Taurus. The third had a face like a man, that's Aquarius, the sign of the man, the son of man. The fourth was like a flying eagle or Scorpio. So those four signs are the four fixed signs of the Zodiac. And what happens is when you take the Zodiac wheel and you connect the solstices and the equinox, they form a perfect cross. It's the cross of God's son that he lives and dies on. Okay? When you put these four in, Okay, it makes an X through the cross. So it's a perfect celestial alignment. So that's why they buried it there. Revelation 4, I did that. Revelation 12, a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and 10 horns and seven crowns on its head. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to earth. 
A woman clothed with the sun is the sun clothed in Virgo. It's the sun in Virgo. That's a metaphor. If the sun's in Virgo, that's roughly about 4 p.m. in the afternoon. So the sun is out. Okay, if the sun is out, the moon will be at her feet. Does that make sense? Yes. All right, then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous dragon. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to earth. There's a constellation called Draco, which you can see on the left, and you can see its tail, which is enormous. It goes from Aries to Sagittarius, which is four-twelfths of the sign, or one-third of the stars out of the sky. Sweeping them to earth is just a metaphor. It's just poetry. It's just a story. What the real information is they're telling you that Draco has a tail that goes a third of the stars through the zodiac. Does that make sense? Is that a little easier to read than, than literally believing that there's a woman pregnant in the sky and a dragon's going to eat her? Yeah, I mean, the the quote is definitely super innocuous and hard to understand without the foresight. Right. So I've given examples of astrotheology in the Old Testament as well as in the New Testament. I've been accused of cherry-picking verses from the Bible to prove a point. Let's take a much longer passage and see if we can decode it. Are you familiar with the book of Job? Yes. Okay, so the book of Job, it's important to know, was the first written story in the Bible. It's older than Genesis. Okay, it's the oldest story. But can you tell your listeners who Job was and what his story was? Uh, Job was a pious, uh, God-fearing man and uh, basically Lucifer made a bet with God that if he screwed Job over enough that he would stop believing and curse God and all the rest of it. So God's like, sure, dude. And then uh, Lucifer rains hell upon Job, and then he gets his whole family killed, his land just land destroyed, his animals die, and then um, in the end, he still believes in God, and then God gives him a new family, which I, I always thought was hilarious. It's like, dude, but what about my old family? Right. <laughs> That's perfect. So go on. Right. So what I'm going to read you is I'm going to read you God's actual words, his response to Job, okay? Or so they say that it's God's actual word. Okay. Mm -hmm. Can you lead forth the Maseroth? It's important to know that the Maseroth literally translates to the Zodiac. Just point in case, this Maseroth is the Zodiac. It's a literal translation. So he's saying, do you know your Zodiac? Maseroth over time becomes Mazalot, which survives in Judaism today as Mazel Tov. And you know how old that word is, which means good fortune from mm -hmm. the stars. That's what Mazel Tov means, good fortune from the stars. So the Lord's challenge to Job. He says, can you bind the chains of the Pleiades? Can you loosen Orion's belt? Well, those are obvious metaphors for stars, right? Yeah. Okay. Then he says, can you bring forth the constellation in their season or lead out the bear with its cubs? The constellations are the zodiac above and the bear and its cubs are Ursa Major, the great bear and Ursa Minor, part of the Big Dipper. Then he says, who can tip over the water jars of the heavens? That's Aquarius. Do you hunt for the prey for the lioness and satisfy hunger of the lions? That's Leo. Who provides food for the raven? That's the constellation Corvus, which means raven and borders on Virgo. Do you watch when the doe bears her fawn? That's Mrigo, meaning deer, and is located in Orion. Who let the wild donkey go free? That's a Celis Borealis, meaning donkey, and is located in Cancer. Will the wild ox consent to serve you? That's Taurus. The wings of the ostrich flap joyfully. That's Lambda Achille, or Al-Thaliman, which means two ostriches in Arabic. Do you give the horse its strength? 
It laughs at fear, afraid of nothing. It does not shy away from the sword. The quiver rattles against its side along with the flashing spear and lance. I mentioned earlier that um, the bow and arrow become a spear. This is where it becomes a spear right here. Okay, that's Sagittarius with the bow and the arrow. There's two important murders. The two most important murders in the entire Bible are Jesus, who's hit with the spear of destiny to check if he's dead on the side when he's on the cross. And the other one is Cain and Abel, the first murder. Okay. Now, while Cain hit him with a rock that rose in a spear, the word Cain in Hebrew actually literally translates to spear. Okay. So that's just another thing that they put in there. <clears throat> Does the eagle soar at your command and build its nest on high? That's Aquila, which is the Latin name for eagle and is a constellation a few degrees above the celestial equator. Can you pull, can you pull in Levethian with a fish hook? And if you know what Levethian is, it's a fish god. So that's Pisces. Do you see how it's all just astrology? Yeah. I'm, I'm, so let's take, for example, the wings of the ostrich flap joyfully. So, so why say that? Because it's, yeah. it's, a, it's, it's a metaphor. That's what the ostrich does. It's not talk. I mean, it's talking about the literal star, but they're talk, it's a metaphor. Like when you say, can you bind the chains of the Pleiades? Can you loosen Orion's belt? Orion doesn't have a belt. It's a metaphor for a belt. Can you loosen the belt? That's the way everything was written. These are written as metaphors, deeply, deeply encoded metaphors. That's that's what I'm I'm trying to uh, understand here is that the, so the Bible is just one giant metaphor for the stars and um, like there's no deeper esoteric meaning other than it's just objectively what they saw in the sky. That's that's what it is. They basically crafted a story around what they saw in the sky and, and made it a metaphor for people to digest it as a literal story. Now, before 325 AD, when Constantine united everybody under literal Christianity, Christians were known as Heliognostics, and Helios in Greek means sun, and Gnosis means to know. They were sun worshippers. Okay? This book was never meant to be taken literally. It's, okay. It just tells you <clears throat> okay. where all the stars are, what they do, what their characteristics are. That's what it basically does. Okay, I, I don't want to derail okay. you too much. But how Jesus is able to, to heal on. the blind? Well, if he's the S-O-N of God, he's a man. The blind man came up to him and Jesus put his fingers on his eyes and then suddenly he can see. But if you're talking about the son of God, the son healing the blind, okay, what happens when the sun goes down? You can't see. And it takes the sun coming up to touch your eyes to give you sight again. How he walked on water. Have you ever seen a sunset on a lake before? How it walks on water? how he turned water into wine. So the reason that God is considered a man and um, earth is considered a woman is because of God's sacred reign. In Hebrew, the word is shemen. We get the word semen from it. It's the sacred fluid. So God's sacred fluid impregnates mother earth. And then from her belly, things grow. Okay. So that's why it's a metaphor for that too. So it rains in Taurus, April showers, bring May flowers. That's in Taurus. That's when you plant. And then it rains and it rains and it rains. And then eventually you pick the grapes and you press them into wine. That's how you turn water into wine. 
why he had 12 disciples. What's up? Damn, that's, <laughs> that's perfect. How it, uh, April showers bring May flowers yep. and uh, April's Taurus, correct? Yeah, it's perfect. Yeah, it that's great. Sense. Wow. So why he had 12 disciples? <laughs> I, had, I hadn't had heard you say that one before. He had 12 that's disciples because each one of them represents the zodiac sign. Okay, why he was betrayed with a kiss by Judas, who represents Scorpio. We went over that. Why he was dead for three days, we went over that. Why his birthday on December 25th, we went over that. You have any? You have any questions or any comments? Um, so, I, I did watch a couple of things where, like in the in the what what's that conspiracy documentary like Zeitgeist, Zeitgeist where they said the the three canes visited Jesus, but then I saw a couple of videos. I've never. I don't think I've ever heard you talk about it. So maybe you've. Uh, you're not into that one, or, but the three canes visited Jesus, and then there's like the three stars from Orion or something. Um, yes, that's what it is. The three kings are the three stars of Orion, and they follow a star. They follow an eastern star, okay, a fixed eastern star, in order to find Jesus, in order to find where the sun is. So you have the three stars of Orion, right? That's the three kings. And they follow an eastern star. And when you follow the eastern star, at the bottom of it, you get the sun. See, now, I had heard that actually those three stars align like that a month prior than uh, Christmas time, is, is what some debunkers were saying. Well, you got to understand is that they're still going under the auspices that Jesus was a real human. He wasn't. Jesus was the sun, the sun in the sky. It's all solar worship. It was just like that in Egyptian times with Horus. It was just like that um, in, in pretty much every religion. Yeah, I don't really have any strong opinions on whether Jesus was uh, a real flesh and blood person or not. Well, that's fine. I mean, but the stuff I'm saying, doesn't that doesn't it make sense or at least... Wouldn't it make more sense than scrambling to explain everything? No, it does. It like how my mind works is I need to cross-examine everything. Like listening to you and listening to David Matheson. I mean, I, I was real big on that because I can listen to podcasts for hours and hours and hours a day while I'm at work. So I was listening to a lot of your stuff and a lot of David Matheson. And like a couple of weeks ago, I'm just like, shit, man, this is it. I'm like, this has to be it. But then like, you know, getting ready for this podcast, I've been listening to some stuff that's like astrotheology debunked or people, you know, giving their criticisms that it doesn't lead anywhere, that it doesn't lead to a deeper uh, metaphysical um, knowledge or anything like that, that like if the Bible just is all of these. This is our, this is, this is a survival book. Okay. This is an ancient survival book. Okay. This tells you where, mm -hmm. where all the stars are, what they do in what season you plant in Taurus, you harvest. Otherwise you're not going to eat. You're going to starve to death in winter. It tells you when winter's coming. It tells you when the sun is back to life, December 25th. That's why all the gods 
are born on December 25th. What people want to do is they want to take the Bible and they want to say it has so much deeper meaning and ignore all the old shit. And what they usually do is they say the Old Testament had a lot of stuff in it, but that was before Jesus came. Okay, there's people that literally believe that God whispered words into the ear of Mary and she was with child. They believe that a dragon is going to be in the sky attacking a pregnant woman. I mean, does this make sense in normal, you know, this can all be explained with this. Oh, no, a hundred percent. And I'm, and, uh, I'm not doubting that. Um, but the, the criticism, um, that I've heard that I I was kind of curious about was just, um, the astrotheology, um, it shows what's going on in the stars, but it doesn't, it doesn't take you anywhere further. Um, it's not supposed it, to. Why does okay. it, it's not supposed to? It just it's a survival book. It's a farmer's almanac. That's all it is. That's all it is. It was encoded. Okay, it was encoded because what happens when you have precious information? The elites hoard it and then they they either release it and pervert it or they tell you the opposite. And so um I want to so the the most obvious question that comes to my mind uh, is why not be more objective about it? Hey, when you see the bull in the sky, this means it's about to be, uh, it's going to rain a lot. It took thousands of years to put this together. It took thousands Mm -hmm. of years to put this together. It's sacred information because the church found a way to capitalize on it. Okay. The early, early Jews and Christians were reading this normally. Sorry about that, everybody. We had a bad connection, so uh, we'll pick right right back up where we left off. All right. So, but it doesn't stop there. It's not just random passages in the Bible that could be coded this way. We're going to go through the entire book of Matthew to show you how deep this runs. Now, have you heard me do Matthew? Hello. Yeah. Sorry, uh, you broke up again. Sorry, it's have you heard me, me do Matthew? Got, uh, bad connectivity. The book of Matthew? Yes, I'm familiar. No, but have you heard me talk about it? Um, I don't believe so. All right, I'm going to go through the entire book of Matthew. I'm going to show you how line for line it's astrology, okay? Okay. And then you can tell me at that point. Whether you agree or not. I just plugged this in, so it should be good. All right. (laughs) I've put pictures of the Zodiac wheel on the left. I've outlined sections with red so that you can follow the wheel. Okay? Mm Mm-hmm. Matthew 3, 2. Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. I mentioned earlier the kingdom of heaven is the sun in Leo because it's its ruling planet. That's when it's home. Okay, each gospel begins at one of the four major points of the zodiac and ends at one of them as well. The two solstices and the two equinoxes, when connected, form a cross. Okay, so in Cancer right here is June 21st. That's the height of the sun, as you can see on the zodiac wheel, right? Yep. Okay, so June 21st is where this gospel starts because it's closest to Leo. The kingdom of heaven is near. Make sense? 
Mm-hmm. This is the firmament between Cancer and Leo. It's the beginning of the kingdom. There's a saying in the Bible that says the firmament shows God's handiwork. The firmaments are dividing lines between signs. It's not a flat earth with a dome. It's not a dome over earth. The firmament are the dividing lines. That's the handiwork. It's, it's, some people call them handover days. Some people call them cusp. You know, there's words for this, but it's basically the firmament. So Matthew 3, 4, John's clothes were woven from coarse camel hair and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food, he ate locusts and wild honey. If we take the most famous drawing of a man, Leonardo da Vinci's Vitruvian man, and superimpose it onto the Zodiac, we can make sense of this. Cancer being the head is where he eats the wild honey. Remember the beehive cluster? Yes. Okay. A little lower on the Zodiac wheel is Gemini. Okay. A lower on the body. Okay. Is camel hair. The, bo- the clothes are made out of camel hair. Or camelopardalis, which is in Gemini. So right there you have the head and the upper body so far. A little lower on the body, that's Taurus. You see the line I've drawn to his midsection where you'd wear a belt? Taurus represents the bull and the female is the cow, which is where you would get the leather for the leather. Okay, regarding the belt, Orion's belt sits between Taurus and Gemini. Next would be the baptism. So now how are we going to go from the beginning of Leo to a water sign to signify the baptism? You would go across the zodiac. Cross signs, as they are known, are the sign's opposite location. For example, Aries and Libra are cross signs. Okay, so what it's going to do is it's going to talk about the cross sign or a neighboring sign. This is how it's encoded. This is how you know it's been done on purpose. Here's how we make a leap from one firmament to the other. The man with the water pitcher in Aquarius is personified as John the Baptist with the water. It's important to note, too, that John the Baptist and Jesus are always exactly six months apart. When you think about the fact that Jesus is born on December 25th and rises a degree a day, then that must mean that John the Baptist is born on June 24th and decrease a degree a day. This is why in John 3.30, John says, he must increase, but I must decrease. It's also Dude, no fucking way. Are you kidding me? John 3.30, he must increase, but I must decrease. 33, as above, so below. Like, that's that shit right there. Yep. It's also why St. John's Day is exactly six months to the day of the birth of Jesus, and you can check your Catholic calendar for that. The next story is the temptation of Jesus. So we're going back to the Cancer Leo firmament of July 24th. Well, you remember how he's in the desert for 40 days? Yep. yep. Well, just count 40 fucking days from July 24th. That takes you to September 2nd. That's right in, Le- that's right in the middle of Virgo, right? The bread, remember? Yes. Okay, watch what happens. This is right in the middle of the Virgo, the virgin with the weed stalk. What does the devil say? Matthew 4, 3. If you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Here we see mention of the bread, which tells you that the son is in Virgo. Okay. There's another section in the Bible where Jesus feeds the masses with two fish and five loaves of bread. Well, the two fish are the sign of Pisces, literally, and its cross sign, which I already mentioned is prevalent in the Bible, is Virgo, the bread. The next passage, 5.17.22, I did not come to abolish the law. And if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. This takes place in the firmament of Virgo and Libra. When you are at a firmament, it could be used on either side. So if I'm on the firmament of Virgo, Libra, that line I just told you about law and judgment, we know that's Libra because I already went over that. But if you're in the firmament, you could talk about that or you could talk about bread, which is Virgo. Okay. Matthew 7, 9, 10. If your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Once again, this being the ferment between Virgo and Libra, it is switched back to Virgo. 
<clears throat> Matthew 7, 15, 16. Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep. And can you pick grapes from the thorn bushes? The sheeps are the ram in Aries and the grapes are in Libra. Once again, these are opposing signs. Matthew 13. Later that same day, Jesus left the house and sat beside the lake. The story now moves from Libra to the barrier between Aquarius and Pisces as he is right beside the lake or the two water signs. Its cross sign is the Leo-Virgo firmament. As it's across from Virgo, the wheat stalks the grains. Isn't it ironic that the next parables from Jesus are the wheat and the weeds, the mustard seed, and the yeast? Moving right along, next is the fishing net parable. So now we go back across from Leo-Virgo to Aquarius-Pisces. Are you following this so far? Yeah. Okay, just making sure. Then Gemini is the sign of two men, technically twins. However, there's just a short mention of brothers in the next passage. He's just the carpenter's son, and we know Mary, his mother, and his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. This ends at the ferment of Gemini cancer. How do we know this? Because the very next story is the death of John the Baptist. And if you draw a line from the Gemini Cancer Firmament to the Sagittarius Capricorn Firmament, you get December 21st, which is the day of death. Okay? Mm. Matthew 14, 17, and 32. But we only have five loaves of bread and two fish. I mentioned that already. This is the cross of God's son. Son, We were just in Virgo, and next is Libra, which is law and wine, remember? What stories do we get now? The story of the temple tax, the unforgiving debtor, divorce and marriage, and the parable of the vineyard worker. It's so easy to read it this way. As you can see how things are already posted. Next is the betrayer. So we're in we're in Libra now. Next is Scorpio, which is the betrayer. And then here's where Jesus is crucified. And that's the book of Matthew. Do you see how this all works? Yeah, I this I'm fascinated by this overlay of this picture and like how it's pointing directly towards like the Orion's belt and everything that uh did you figure that one out on yourself or to overlay this picture on oh, the Vitruvian man? Yeah, 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 that's my work. Damn, dude. Wow. Now, you'd agree at this point that there is hidden astrology in the Bible, right? Yes, I I 100% agree that there's hidden astrology in the Bible, but I also think that there's numerology and other esoteric esoteric knowledge as well. But now here's the thing, though. Roman Catholic Catechism 2116. All forms of divination are to be rejected, recourse to Satan or demons, conjuring up the dead or other practices falsely supposed to unveil the future, consulting horoscopes, astrology, palm reading, interpretations of omens and lots, the phenomena of clairvoyance and recourse to mediums, all conceal a desire for power over time, history, and in the last analysis, other human beings, as well as a wish to conciliate hidden powers. They contradict the honor respect and loving fear that we owe to God alone. Now, do you think that people in the Catholic church or somebody in the archives maybe knows that there's astrology in here? Why would they put out a catechism saying that there isn't? A hundred percent. And I I think that the Roman Catholics or AKA Jesuits um, have had a heavy hand in the Bible. And I also wanted to ask you about that is what about, uh, biblical manipulation throughout time 
in the multiple um, versions of the Bible and so on and so forth. What do you mean? Can you be a little more specific? So, so I mean, it, are you using your quotes from like the King James Bible or like, cause I mean, it's been manipulated throughout time. We know that they, they uh, King like they, James. It's been manipulated, but the science is still there and it works as I've shown you. So, so um, an- another criticism that I had heard was um, that basically this is the work of the Jesuits and Freemasons believe all of this astrotheology. And I, I'm not trying to upset you or anything. I mean, this is just, I listened to this uh, Orthodox Christian guy give his interpretation of astrotheology. And uh, he's read as well as I have, you know, the secret teachings of all ages by Manly P. Hall and uh, um, some other Freemasonic texts that show uh, the astrotheology is the way that it's all about like sun gods and and planet gods and stuff well, like that's that. What it always so, but like King James had a very um, Masonically influenced. Like he died at fifty eight. We know in Gematria Freemasonry equals fifty eight, and it, he supposedly had the help of seventy two scholars helping him to rewrite the Bible. And we know that there's. 72 angels and 72 demons, according to some practitioners, uh, at least ones that I've listened to talk about the 72 angels and 72 demons. So, I mean, that gives me that gives me some reason to believe that maybe they manipulated the Bible in such a way as for it to show astrotheology. Is is that something you consider? Or am I just am I just going off the wall? Yeah, right that- here? I mean, I've read you maybe 15 passages so far, okay? I've read you 15 passages. It is so deeply ingrained in there, and whatever version of whatever Bible you want to read, King James or whatever, it's there. So you think somebody, to encode that stuff, somebody would have had to completely rewrite the entire Bible. Well, I definitely think that the Bible was written with divine um, influence because, I mean, with the amount of astrology and numerology and gematria within the Bible, it's it's mind-blowing that any human could possibly put that together. For instance, the New Testament starts on the 930th chapter of the Bible and... Uh, in Sumerian Gematria, the New Testament equals 930. I mean, like, what are the odds of that? How how do you construct the book in such a way? Or it's like, oh, we just finished 929. Let's make this line up. So, I mean, it, it seems like it ha- it still has a divine influence somehow. Well, which is it? Is it divine or is it not? Because you just said that the Freemasons wrote it and it's been corrupted, but you're saying that it's divine. So which is it? Well, I do think that it's divine, but it, it's divinely influenced. Like I said, King James had the help of 72 scholars. So that, in my mind, means uh, he sought the divination from either angels or 
demons and we could go on about what angels or demons really means like in terms of entities i mean i don't subscribe to any particular uh theology or anything like that but i'm just trying to understand um like understand the overall picture of everything i mean do you have any thoughts on that I mean, I know there's a million levels to it. This is just the one that makes the most sense to me. Okay. All right. Maybe I went off on a little bit of a tangent there. I mean, I'm, I was just trying to put all the pieces together. Okay. So then let me ask you a question. If you're saying it's divine and you agree... Okay. And you agree that it's divinely influenced and it is what it is. And you agree in astrology being hidden in there. Then why is it promoted in every single church that astrology is evil? Well, what if God, let's, let's just say God and not put any meaning behind it. What if God wants to give us the astrological knowledge um, and the Jesuits in Rome are putting in catechism saying, no, 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 no astrology. It's verbatim. Exactly what it, what it says is what it means. And, you know, God's trying to pipe in like, Hey, look at the astrology. This is the ticket. And, Meanwhile, the Jesuits are saying, no, it's literal. You have to follow the letter of the law. What about that? I don't think God takes an active role in people's lives the way you do. Like, he's not a talking God. He's not a... I I just don't see that happening. Like, I do believe in God. I just don't... I mean, it's so ridiculous when you read the Bible and you, you hear about things like talking snakes and talking donkeys, and then you use apologetics to explain away why that could possibly work. It's just crazy to me. Well, I mean, Jordan Peterson's biblical lecture series on the Bible is super fascinating. And I listened to that when I was a staunch atheist and I went from the Bible's totally stupid. Who could ever even listen to it? Uh, or read the words that it says and take it at face value. But when you listen to Jordan Peterson's biblical lecture series, I mean, he goes through Cain and Abel. I mean, he does like a three hour lecture on the Cain and Abel story, which is like two sentences long or something like that. Two sentences or two paragraphs. And he just completely deconstructs it. And it's super fascinating. And well, the Christians would disagree that, you know, the Bible is, uh, the word of God, you know, he gave us the Bible so we could understand him. And like, obviously I have conflicts of conflicts of interest with that ideology. But um, if God doesn't talk to us, uh, the Christians would disagree and say, well, he talks to us through the Bible. And he, you could, you could even say that he talks to us through astrological symbols. So we know when to plant, when to harvest, when to that's what get I ready agree. for the winter. That's, that's my proof right there. Okay. 
So, so that's how you derive uh, your metaphysical interpretation of the world is through astrology and that God provides us the astrological symbols. Yes. So what would you say the stars are? I, we don't have to get crazy and say, you know, it's holes in the firmament. Or if you, I mean, if you believe that, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think I've ever heard you explain what you think the stars and the planets are. Do you think they're celestial beings and or beings, uh, planets in outer space, like uh, materialistic sense? Or what do you think? They're uh, just balls of gas. But you got to understand, too, is that we're all part, we're all stardust. We're all made from stardust. The iron in our blood can only be made in forging in a star. Okay? So it's only natural for the stars to influence us if we come from them. Yes. Like the moon influences the rising tides and so on and so forth. Yep. <laughs> on a on a less serious note, you know, it's kind of funny how they say, you know, girls' periods align with the moon and during full moons is when most women are ovulating and you're talking about the iron and yep. the blood. I'm just like, huh, maybe. They have 13 28-day cycles, the moon does, just like women do. Hmm. So there is there is more proof behind it. Yep. Well, I'm sorry if I <laughs> if I derailed your presentation. We we can no, that's it. On if, if you've got that's more to it. show. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was just you know, I, I was just trying to derive uh, the deeper metaphysics and and stuff like that because. You know, my my big influence with the Bible is Gematria. You know, I'm, I'm a big listener and follower of uh, Zachary K. Hubbard's work, and he decodes the Bible with Gematria and, like, the 42 laws of Amat and how that relates to Jesus. And it that all of that is just super interesting. But like I said, I was listening to Astro Theology from David Matheson and you a couple of weeks ago. I'm just like, holy shit. I'm like, this... This has to be what the Bible is all about. But as I was listening to some people give their criticisms about it, I started to wonder, like, well, how do you derive a deeper understanding of the universe of the world? Uh, Why do you have to understand that through the Bible? Well, I think what they're saying is that if you get astrology for all of the world's religions, all of the world's religions include this. Um, or at least the major ones. Uh, can I can I can okay. I explain something to you? I just I, I just want to throw this in there because I'm not going to have time to do it with you now. If you want to have me back on, we can. I'd be more than willing to because I, I like that you challenge me. I do appreciate that, uh, or at least plant ideas in my head that I might not have heard about because you're very uh, you're a very well rounded, intelligent person. I can hear by the amount of podcasts you shove up your ass a day. Um, but basically. Um, if it was just the Bible, I would throw it as if. But I've also decoded the Enuma Elish. You've heard of that, right? Um, the Babylonian creation no. story. No, it's the Babylonian that? creation. It's the Babylonian creation and flood story. 
Okay. Okay. And it can also be decoded with astrotheology. And I've done that. And I did it on uh, Rex Bear's leak project. I don't know if you know who that is. No. Okay. I've also, I'm in the process of doing the Quran too. And the Quran is the same way. All these ancient texts are astrology books. Okay. That's why. If it was just the New Testament, I would say, all right, that's a one-off. Despite the fact that I feel like I made a convincing argument today. I mean, you agree that there's a, there's a hit in astrology. You agree with it. 100%. All right. Right. So, yeah. So you agree with that. That's fine. But like I'm doing all these other texts that have and I've done the Book of Enoch. It's astrology, too. I've done the Enuma Elish. I've done the Secret Gospel of John. It's astrology, too. These are this is the code for all these books. When I get to the Egyptians, I'll see if it's different. Although the Egyptian zodiac would be a little different, though, because the crab used to be the scarab, the beetle. That's why St. Augustine used to call mm-hmm. Jesus my good beetle. And um, <clears throat> the Sphinx used to be the lion in Leo. So it's a little different. Okay. So are, are you planning on uh, – so you're working on the Quran right now? Yes. It's going to take me a while, though. I'm about a tenth of the way through. Okay. And um, so then do you want to talk about your books? Uh, I, I wanted to ask you about your book. Uh, I regret, I regretfully say that I haven't read any of them yet, although I am interested, um, especially listening to you on Grimerica. I mean, Graham had a lot of um, praise for the book and he really liked it. But I yeah. know that you were talking about one of your books about how the elites use astrotheology against us. Well, that's the whole purpose. And I explain it. I outline it. It's truth and fiction. Yep. It's truth and fiction. If you want to, if you want to message me, like I sell signed copies, if you don't want to go through Amazon, because a lot of people don't in our community, if you want like a signed set, I've got five out of six out right now. If you want to get a signed set, just message me afterwards, you know, we'll work something out. Um, but yeah, no, the, the books are good. Um, we're, working on pitching to um, some TV producers and movie heads. And what, what are the names of the books? If anybody's listening, that's interested. It's it's called, it's Micah Dank and it's into the rabbit hole series. So I'm on Twitter at real Mr. Dank. I'm on Instagram and Facebook at Micah Dank on Facebook. I have a Facebook group called Micah Dank into the rabbit hole where I post updates. So if you want to reach out to me direct, and get the books for me, I'll sign them. That's fine. Uh, if you want to just see more of my work outside of this episode, then you reach out to me. I'll send you some of my best work. I'm willing to do that. Anybody that reaches out to me. So, Well, fantastic, man. Um, it. So I, I guess we'll do this again, and then maybe we'll hash out some of the more, um, some of the more contentious points. I don't, like I said earlier, I, I just have to attack everything from every angle before I finally accept before I finally accept it as, as something that, you know, I want to follow and believe in and, and whatnot. So I'll definitely have you back and we'll definitely hash out some stuff. Uh, maybe we should have just reserved this one for your presentation and not all the other stuff, but I mean, I thought it was a pretty good discussion. Yeah, I thought so too. All right, man. Well, I'll let you go and uh, we'll set up a, another time. And um, for the time being, everybody, that was Micah Dank. Um, definitely check out his books. Um, very well-rounded guy. Uh, doesn't 
just talk about astrotheology. I mean, I've, I've heard him reference some other conspiratorial knowledge in some prior podcasts, and he's done 100,000 podcasts with various individuals. So if you want to check out any of his stuff, you can find him all over the podcast, any, any podcast app, or um, check out his books. So with that being said, this has been Conspiratorial Conspiring, and I'll catch you guys next time. Thank you.